Yeah, it's been a long time coming, but I think that was one of these, not a beautiful, saying a beautiful thing about COVID sounds very shitty and reductive, but I was, we were, I was able to accomplish something during COVID. And I think that gave me a sense of purpose. Ben Flanagan, welcome to the Question the Answers podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's nice to see you too, man. Uh, so this is my old friend, Ben Flanagan, who is currently in the band Black Map, which is kind of a super group in so many ways. I mean, it's not necessarily dubbed as a super group, but I mean, for anyone that's been paying attention, I could certainly see how it is considered that because it's yourself as well as Chris Robin, who, you know, a lot of people might know from the band Far, and Mark Engels from the band Dredge. It is true. I mean, you're actually, yeah, Wikipedia says we're a supergroup, which we're all <laughs> very embarrassed by. So we are recorded as being a supergroup, but we all think that's very silly. I'm certainly the least uh, super famous person of all of us. But the, yeah, the other guys were in some really important, substantial bands that I definitely grew up um, loving and admiring it shaped the way I am as a musician. So they're, uh, they're super and I'm, uh, I'm sub super, but I'm happy to be along for the ride. Well, you're just part of group. Yeah. I'm part of the group. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, I mean, shit, you know, I mean, you're, I, I mean, you have a resume that goes prior to the black map. Like you were in a band called the trophy fire for a number of years. And then you were also in a band for a while called IO, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And funny story, you were in that band with, um, uh, oh God, why can't, why is his name escaping me? Uh, from Cillian Rail. Eric Kuhn, yeah. Eric, that's right. I, I kept wanting to say Chris, but no, it was Eric. Yeah, Eric. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of hilarious because if memory serves, didn't you guys kind of grow up together and then you ended up kind of reconnecting out here in the Bay Area years later? Oh, uh, close. Yeah. We were in, we were in high school band in Durham, North Carolina together. Um, and then, I'm a year ahead of him in school. I came out to college and then he was looking at colleges in California. So he, I went to USF, he went to UC Santa Cruz and uh, then we like reformed a band. Um, but he's one of the most talented musicians I've ever met. Like a uh, total Swiss army knife. Like there's, there probably, I could name five instruments he can't play. Um, he's kind of that good. Um, yeah. 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 No, he, he really is uh, quite a musician. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that must've been so fun to like play in a band with him. I've been I've been really lucky in the the guys that I play with. I've like I've never had it even close to a mediocre drummer that I've played with. I've always gotten to have like just by luck of the draw or, or some cosmic karmic uh, element, just ridiculously good drummer. So I'm lucky, and he's a great dude. Yeah, yeah, I I feel similarly lucky in, in that regard. Like uh, all the bands that I've played with, you know, everyone that I've played with as far as drummers go, especially because you know I've obviously had you know plenty of other great musicians that have surrounded me as well too, but you know, I feel de definitely very fortunate that having a solid drummer is like so important and so valuable for a band. Most but, uh, and Chris is such a slugger. I mean, shoot, dude, like watching that guy play is incredible. Yeah. 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 He's awesome. But um, so besides playing in, you know, Black Map, uh, you've also done some other kind of work within the music business uh, kind of, you know, throughout your career for a while there, weren't you also kind of like either a talent buyer or part of the booking group over at Bottom of the Hill? Yeah. And I, I hope to, uh, keep doing that when we open. I was Ramona Downey's assistant for a long time, the main booker there, and then the assistant to Lynn, who's now the main booker there. Um, so that's been, you know, 
I love if, if everything I can do is in music. It doesn't matter if I'm writing a song for a commercial or if I'm playing a rock show or if I'm booking shows. I really like it if uh, everything I do is somehow in some way related to music. So that, that's been a great job. And that's one of the most legendary venues, you know, in all of the Bay Area. And I kind of, you know, it's not something I make a lot of money on or something. It's just something where I feel really fortunate to kind of have my name associated with them and be able to to work with them and try to just keep that venue, you know, in the, I have a tiny part in it, but keeping it in that legendary status that it is. Um, Cause it's just been a place that's been home to me for, you know, 20 years since I've lived in California. Absolutely. I mean, uh, for anyone that isn't familiar, the bottom of the hill is a you know pretty small club in San Francisco, but it's pretty legendary. I mean, uh, you know, this, we won't go too far into like the history of it, but you know, basically anyone that you can think of has probably played there at some point um, from, you know, smaller bands up to even like super large bands. Like, you know, Green Day has done like, you know, surprise stops in there. You know, well, if you look at the, what's cool about that venue is they keep every, um, I hope it's still the case when they reopen. I don't see why it wouldn't be all the calendars from the nineties and early aughts. And you can just go, you know, have a beer and look at all of it. And it's like, you know, Radiohead, Queens of the Stone Age. I think Oasis fucking played there. Uh, I know Nirvana played there. Yeah, it's just, it's insane. And you'll see, you know, I don't recognize that band. I don't recognize that band, but oh, holy shit, you know, Rancid or whoever. So it's pretty awesome. Absolutely. Like it's definitely one of those venues that I think so many bands, especially within Northern California, it, it's it's like when you've played there, you feel like you're kind of heading in the right direction. You know, yeah, <laughs> like it's sure. one of those stepping stone venues and everyone there is just so great. I mean, like Ramona's great and the whole staff. Um, so yeah, I hope that you're able to continue uh, doing that work as well. Cause I know that they are reopening kind they of are, soft yeah. reopening, right? August, August 13th. I'm, I'm pretty sure back to, to shows. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, um, besides that too. Um, and I kind of want to touch on this a little bit. You've done some tour management, haven't you? No, I wouldn't say I have. I mean, you could say on certain days I'm managing my own band on tour, but no, not really. Okay, I could have swore that you were either like a road manager or like a tour manager at one point for Dredge. Is Am I completely off there? Uh, you're a little off. Yes, um, you're off. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. actually, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, so I was the, Mark, my guitar player in Black Map, uh, I was fortunate enough for his band Dredge. They put out this record uh, called Chuckles and Mr. Squeezy that had a ton of harmonies on it and extra guitar parts. And they needed kind of a utility guy, uh, kind of a fifth member so to speak so oh i, I see toured, okay i toured the states with them for about three tours and a, and a european tour around two, once in 2011 and once in 2013 or something like that so i was kind of the the fifth guy in dredge for a while and who knows if i'll maybe join up with them again in some capacity but yeah i was in the band i would say i was doing very little responsible uh things during that time definitely definitely not tour managing them Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure where I even got that. So I apologize that I, you know, didn't understand that fully, but I guess just maybe, you know, from the stuff that I had seen online, that's just where my head went. Sure. So, and I just never really thought to ask, but I appreciate you letting me know. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, it was great, man. I mean, I've got to see, you know, so many extra countries because of those guys. I mean, that's how Mark and I super extra forged our relationship both in a friendship and musically was that um you know they needed somebody else for a while that could double gavin sometimes and harmonize with them and do these extra guitar parts and so we really developed 
a musical relationship throughout a lot of that, I think, which really helped kind of pave the way for Black Map. Very cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of Black Map, um, yeah, one of the first questions I wanted to ask you was really, you know, what's kind of, where did, where did Black Map, where did Black Map come from? And like, give me like a brief history of like where the band, how it came together and kind of where it's going. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think Dredge was on a break. Far had essentially broken up Chris, our drummer's band. And my band, the Trophy Fire was just, we put out a record. It didn't, you know, do particularly well. And I was, I think, and Mark and I were living together and we both really just wanted to play like really heavy music, like just as a catharsis for whatever we were going through in our lives. I'm not exactly sure what it was. I mean, we've always loved heavy music from metal and punk rock and hard rock and grunge and everything in between. Um, but we, we knew Chris Robine because uh, Dredge had toured with him a lot in the past and I knew him from mutual friends. We just group texted him one day in about 2013 and was like, let's just get together and play some music. And we did that and we really thought it was just gonna be this little fun thing. And then it turned into a real band with touring and record labels and all the fucking stuff that's fun and not fun and crazy. Um, so it was cool. It's just one of those things in life where you, you don't know what's gonna happen. You know, a simple text message kind of like paved the way for the, the way the last, you know, eight years or seven years of our lives have been. Um, but yeah, the, the main crux of it is we wanted to play heavy music, um, kind of just riff focused heavy music. And it's evolved a lot since then, but that was kind of the genesis of it at least. Got it. Yeah, um, you, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I. I certainly appreciate heavy music and, you know, I, I, for the record, really love your band. Like, I think you guys are great and I've seen you guys perform live, love the recordings. Um, but it's, it's a world that I personally don't have a lot of experience with in terms of like the, yeah. I guess, heavier, maybe more rock centric kind of world, you know? And I guess one of the things that I'm curious about, you know, like what, what's, what's one of the main differences that you've seen in regards to how, bands kind of interact and make things happen in in that world versus like say the punk rock world or like more of like the independent like you know indie rock scene like is there really a difference i mean i, I know that like from a mechanical standpoint you know the processes are all the same mm -hmm. but you know like it's it's tough for me to even think about like who would i reach out to to try to like make something happen in that world you know so i mean like i don't know because like you know a punk rock band has you know the ability to like go set up a show like Gilman you know yeah you know, or something like that but and I don't think that it's like that they would be opposed to you guys playing there but I also don't necessarily know if Gilman's going to be doing like hard rock night anytime soon you know yeah no, I mean, there's a lot of like layers to your question I, it's a good question and I'm not really sure of the answer I mean look we're influenced by as much punk rock I mean a couple songs on the first record that are like 145 bpm you know like we you know, we love, you know, I, I love bad religion just as much as I love failure. You know, we we all have huge punk rock influences. I mean, Chris's favorite artist ever is Billy Idol. Um, you know, we go back with a lot of, you know, I know he became a pop later, but obviously Generation X. And um, so I don't really know the answer to that. We get put on a lot of tours with bands that we love. And we've been really lucky in the, those touring elements, but there was a lot of, hard rock bands that's on the radio right now that's just knuckle dragging bullshit um 
but I think there's punk rock that's you know knuckle dragon bullshit as well. Um, there, there is in every genre. There's the there's the good stuff and there's the bullshit. Um, I, I'm not sure I totally answered the question, and I'm not sure I totally know the answer to the question. Well, yeah, it's a good I, question. <laughs> well, right, and when I was thinking about how to articulate this question, I, I know that it's not necessarily so easy to answer it because like I mentioned before, from the mechanics of it all, you know, it's all the same stuff. Like you try to book a show, you get booked, you play the show, you try to put out a record, you do all the things that you need to do to put out the record. And then you put out the record and then the audience is the audience and they come to see you or they don't. Right. And they listen to you or they don't. So none of that stuff is really different, but I, I do feel like there is potentially like a little bit of a difference in terms of like, I guess the, the pathways that bands, in those genres take. Um, yeah. And I think some of it just has to do with maybe the uh, the infrastructure that's in place, mm-hmm. right? Because for, for like, I, like I mentioned, like a punk rock band, you know, there's all these DIY underground circuits that have been built up from the ground up and now they've kind of been established and then re-established over the years. And a lot of bands kind of go down those similar paths. And then, you know, they get to a point where they're maybe with a booking agency or like a bigger label and like they're doing a lot of that work for them. Right. While as like a, a, an independent heavier rock band or like even like a metal band or something like that, they may not have the same luxury as Mm -hmm. like that DIY circuit. That's a little bit more communal. Do you know what I mean? Like I get, I I guess another way that I might want to pose this question to you is that it's not that I think that you guys sound overtly commercial. Like that's not what I would consider you guys at all. But I do think that for that heavier rock sound that almost kind of borders like that alternative rock sound, you know, it almost feels like sometimes because those infrastructures aren't available to you, like you, you're kind of forced to go down this path that might be a little bit more, um, like precision oriented where like you have to have like management getting you onto these things or like you have to have connections getting you into these things because there aren't as many, I guess, friendly spaces for these heavier rock bands to come in. Does that make sense? Am, am I I... Way. Yeah, I can answer that in two ways. I yeah. think for, for one, yeah, I don't really feel like we've been part of a specific scene. You know, certainly our band, it wasn't like in the how it was in the nineties in Seattle or some punk rock in LA in the late eighties or, you know, uh, or New York or even like indie rock scene in North Carolina in the, in the mid nineties. Um, I will say though, I think the, the Venn diagram of punk and hard rock is there's more um, commonality than not saying more than you're insinuating, but I felt a lot of that in my life. I mean, for instance, my old band, the actual, uh, we were on a label called Soft Drive Records that Scott Weiland owned. And we, I consider us a kind of pop punk band, kind of alkaline trio meets whatever. I mean, we were on Warp Tour for a fair amount of time. And, you know, we went on tour with Velvet Revolver for a while. So that was a mix of like a punk rock band and like a true, just like rock and roll band being together. And like, you know, we're playing a festival in October with, uh, you know, Metallica and a bunch of big bands where, there's, you know, Dropkick, Metallic is on it and Volbeat's on it and Gojira's on it, but Rancid, Offspring, um, I think Suicidal's on it. Um, I think Dropkick's on it, you know, so a bunch of punk rock bands. So I think the Venn di- diagram is pretty big. And I think the reason I can't answer the question eloquently is 
I just, we're not part, it's true, we're not part of a scene. Um, and especially being a hard rock band in San Francisco, California feels weird. We don't have a like, we have a lot of people that like our band, fortunately, but we don't have this like hard rock community. You know, I'm friends with guys in Machine Head or Jared, their bass player specifically, but like there aren't that many hard rock metal fans or bands that I rub my shoulders with in this area. And that's okay. That's okay with me, you know? Well, absolutely. Like, because I really do feel like there's a place for all types of bands, you know, like there doesn't have to be like this very niche driven hierarchy in which bands have to rely on, you know, in order to get your place in, in the vibe. Cause you are right. Like the idea of being like this hard rock band in the Bay area, that's kind of like an Island to yourselves. Like it's, it's strange, you know, because you know, the Bay area right now is either, you know, there's a, there's a, obviously a, a big rap and hip hop scene. It's a pretty big punk rock scene still, as there always has been for like the last several decades. Um, there's a lot, a lot of like electronic music and DJs and like that kind of stuff. Um, but not a ton of like hard rock, you know, yeah, but like, like 20 years ago though, like the Bay area and Sacramento, like, especially with like, you know, far Deftones, you know, you had uh, Papa Roach coming from Vacaville, you had Dredge coming from more like the South Bay area. So there was this like breeding ground for those kind of heavier alternative rock style bands, you know? Um, but for you guys to be doing that right now, it's not that it seems like it's totally displaced or like out of place, but it is like, I guess, different, you know? So sure. yeah, no, I think, I think it is. And yeah. we're not trying to set ourselves apart, nor are we trying to glom on to a scene. I mean, that's been the thing with this band from the get-go has been just like play the music we want to play. And I think it's kind of fun not being part of a scene. I was just listening to a playlist of like some modern rock shit that's on the radio and it's just absolute, absolute shit um, going with all these tropes that are popular that for this very, very moment in time. And uh, right. you don't want to, and maybe that's the reason we won't sell a million records, but uh, I'd rather, I'd rather, not sell a million records and do the kind of music that we want to do. I, I love like it. Sell I, a million records. Though. I'm sorry. What? I'd like to sell a million records. <laughs> yeah, I, I think selling a million records would be a pretty good thing to check off for your life list. Yeah, yeah. Um, out of curiosity, are, are there areas in the United States that you feel uh, are much better for you guys uh, in particular? Yes, absolutely. Um, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Lincoln, Omaha, like Midwest and some East Coast places are far better for us than than out here. And much love to to California, but we do we do better in a lot of other places, and we do by far the best in Germany. Oh, in Germany, yeah, nice. How how often yeah, have you guys or um, how many Germany, Germany, Midwest. <laughs> Well, yeah, like when you think of the Midwest, like you almost do think of like more of like that um, uh, kind of German, you know, Eastern European kind of vibe, you know, with like, I, I mean, I'm just like maybe yeah. the stereotype of like the polka bands up in like, you know, Michigan. Oh, like I guess I haven't really put that together, but maybe we should start playing polka out there. Um, <laughs> Heavy polka. Yeah. Um, how often have you guys been over to Europe? I think we've toured Europe four times. We've done couple times with Chevelle and once with Circus Survive and then a headlining tour in 2018. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not like way better. We're certainly not, you know, selling out 
gargantuan theaters or anything, but um, yeah, no, we do, you know, we've been fortunate enough to do a bunch of tours and we can a little bit see where we do, where we do better in. And uh, it's interesting, the kind of random places that we know, oh, that'll be, that'll be a better show than this place. And I, if I knew that can complete rhyme and reason to it, I'd, that'd be a good thing, but I don't. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you mentioned you're playing, uh, it, it's Aftershock, right? You're doing Aftershock? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, October 7th in, uh, in Sacramento. Yeah. Right. And so that's, that's now a three-day fest, right? And you got Metallica playing two nights. And uh, who's the other headliner? Is it? Metallica, Misfits, uh, Metallica. Mi and then the first night, it's the, the mighty Limp Bizkit on Thursday. Oh, that's right. Because wasn't My Chemical Romance supposed to play like the, the second night or something like that? Okay, yeah. And then they backed out because they're doing it the following year, I think. Yeah. So, no, that's, yeah. That, I mean, I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, those, those festivals are crazy. I mean, they're so big and they're, you know, I mean, all these masses of people. You know, I, I've managed to play a couple of festivals with my time in Tsunami Bomb. Um, the highlight for me was being able to play the main stage at Shoreline, which was sick because it's like, you know, you see this incredibly huge, you know, just audience that's in front of you you're like holy shit this is incredible like what are some of the more like memorable like festival moments that you've had we played aftershock four years ago i mean we opened the whole thing and i was thinking we'd be playing to 300 people and uh i don't know we played at 1 p.m doors were at noon so i was like i mean i was like happy to be there but sure. um i think we played to five or six thousand people and it was an incredible view i have a good picture of it from stage that was awesome but um, I mean, it's been it's been a fun four years for our last like four years of really touring for us. We went out with Bush um, and Chevelle for a while. We got to play shows with Hell Yeah. We got to play with a bunch of great bands to a bunch of huge crowds that you know were not mostly there to see us, but we got to take advantage of it, and make some new fans, and um, so definitely some of those Bush Chevelle shows were crazy. I mean, I think my my biggest the shift in my career was being in that band, the actual that I was in around 2008, because I went from playing, you know, with my band IO, which I love that band and those guys, but you know, we're playing for 30, 40 people a night on tour when we're lucky. And to, you know, playing for playing at the Warfield and playing at these gargantuan venues. Um, so that was kind of like being thrust into playing for a lot of people, which was a, great experience for me but that time in 2008 and 9 was the time for me where I just like it's like don't faint or throw up on stage because you're going from 30 people to 3,000 people all of a sudden so that fortunately was a way for me to kind of get used to it a little bit you know and not totally have a nervous breakdown yeah no doubt like do you remember the first time that you got to play in front of like a, a pretty substantial crowd and like what that experience was like can you can you articulate that a little bit yeah I, the the warfield in san francisco with the actual may 5th 2008 um and it was just yeah i mean it, it was it was better because the lighting was such that i could only see at the warfield in san francisco for those people that don't know it's it's like a theater there's the pit and then there's this huge balcony but I couldn't see the balcony and the lights were only on the pit. So it looked like I was just playing a sold out, you know, 800 seater instead of a 3000 seater or whatever. So, but I knew how many people were back there. 
Uh, but that whole tour really acclimated me to be able to play in front of a lot of people. And I'm very grateful for that time and that experience. Right. And now you mentioned that that band was on uh, Scott Weiland's label. Yeah. So we, um, it was a band that existed before me. And then when kind of IO that became Dear Kerosene broke up um, and I've been talking to my friend, Max, who was the singer in that band for a while. I knew they wanted a second guitar player and singer. We've been talking forever. And I just, kind of texted him when I knew my band was breaking up and I said, I'd love to join. He said, yes. So um, yes, Scott produced that record and we were on his label. And, uh, and then we got to tour with, with his band with fucking Slash and Duff. And it was a wild experience that I felt kind of thrust into in a really beautiful, beautiful way. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, rest in peace. I mean, Scott Weiland, I mean, talk about a voice, man. You know, I mean, awesome. holy shit. <laughs> that band was that band was something else, though. It's like that. I mean, talk about a super group. You know, I mean, you have guys from Guns N' Roses, guys from Stone Temple Pilots. Um, trying to, I'm trying to remember who the, the guitar player was. What, what other band he was Dave in? Dave Kushner. Um, he wasn't, he was in some bands. It wasn't like, it wasn't like them. He was like the guy, like I am in my band. He's way less super than the other guy. Okay, got it. Um, but he was no, he was very nice and a really ripping guitar player. Yeah. For sure. I mean, what an experience, man. That must have been pretty wild. But um, so with Black Map, uh, it, I, I've been you know following you on social media. It looks like you guys have been you know spending your time over the last year and a half, you know, doing some stuff towards a new album. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah so we we finished it. Um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, but I think that was one of these not a beautiful saying a beautiful thing about COVID sounds very shitty and reductive, but I was, we were, I was able to accomplish something during COVID. And I think that gave me a sense of purpose. Um, so yeah, we, we finished our record probably in August, a while ago, and we're hoping it comes out. I think September 10th is the release date as of right now. Yeah, we were able to do a record. And uh, again, just gave me a sense of purpose, gave me something to some sense of accomplishment in a time where a lot of people weren't able to accomplish things. So it felt good. Yeah. And well, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is going to be your third full length, correct? Yeah. We did a couple EPs, but our third full length record. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, you have a, I know you have at least one split with, I think it's middle-class rut, correct? Yeah. We did a, uh, we did this cover of a song from this band from Boston called Sheila Divine that I wasn't even aware of before, but Zach from Middle Class Red was just like, let's cover this song. Our voices will be good on it. And so we did it. And then we did one original song that is not on our upcoming record. And then they did one original song as well. Got it. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was fun. I'd love to do more of those kind of things. For sure. Yeah, covers are, are, are a lot of fun because, you know, it gives you an opportunity, I think, to really just have fun with it. And, you know, as much as like, you, you know, you want to do it justice, especially if it's a song that you really, really love. Um, you know, it, it kind of, I think, allows you to explore new territory, taking a song that's already awesome, but then trying to somehow make it even more awesome and put Absolutely. like your stamp on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, and I mean, with you guys too, I mean, like, you, you know, we're talking about like, three guys who have been doing this now for upwards of like two and a half decades, if not three decades for, for some of you guys now mm -hmm. professionally, you know, so um, I, I imagine having that opportunity to just do something kind of fun is pretty cool are do you, i mean i know you can't really talk about it too much but are you guys doing any covers for the new album well we did i'm not sure so not on the album 
no but i don't know if you saw it. we um because the album couldn't it's done but it can't come out right now because we can't tour right now for a little while um so because our record's going to come out in the fall we needed something else to put out into the world so we went down to san diego and worked with this producer we really like uh named bo burchell he plays in a band called sayison and uh we recorded a double cover of Eyes Without a Face by Billy Idol and Exit by U2. And uh, we recorded the whole thing. We just put it out on YouTube recently. So that was kind of a, we were just like, fuck, like the album's done, but it can't come out now for pragmatic, like business reasons. So what's something else that we can put into the world right now? So we talk with our managers and we talk with Bo and we're just like, let's, <laughs> I mean, it's so stupid. We're like, let's record an eight and a half minute double cover. Like what's less like commercial than that? Um, and only one of the songs is really famous, but we had so much fun doing it. And we thought it came out really beautifully. So that's on YouTube now. Um, and we're really happy with it. So that was a cover where, you know, it's hard to say we're going to improve on either of those songs or either of those legendary bands, but we definitely put our own stamp on it. So at least I can be proud of that, that element of it. Nice. And then, uh, I mean, obviously we, we can't predict the future fully at this point, but, you know, assuming that all things continue the way that they have been. Um, and if, you know, we keep reopening slowly, but surely, uh, and, you know, again, like if you don't have anything that you can say specifically yet, that's fine. But are there plans that are at least being laid out for touring, you know, once the record comes out at this point? Absolutely. Yeah. Our we're working on it. Things will hopefully be announced very soon, but hopefully in the fall, we're really busy. And uh, yes, hopefully well, we're very busy. We fucking better be. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, well, and that, that's killer, man. Congratulations on all of that. Um, I'm super excited to hear it because, you know, like I mentioned, man, I am definitely a fan of what you guys have got going on. Uh, everyone who hasn't heard Black Map, dude, this guy's voice is killer. You know, you're going to love it. Um, I wanted to touch on a little bit about your work with, you know, booking at bottom of the hill, because, you know, that's a completely, you know, different type of, um, you know, work in general. And, you know, booking is hard, dude. Like booking is not this easy thing. I mean, sometimes it can be easy because sometimes if you get a good booking agent and they just give you everything and it's just like, oh, okay, this all fell into place and it's perfect. But there's all the managing and the juggling and all that stuff. I wanted to ask you, like, what's your experience been like there? I mean, has it mostly been like, positive and good or has it been like more stressful and kind of like uh this kind of sucks you know oh i mean all positive with with moments of this sucks just because that's the element of the industry but no so i i generally wasn't working with with big agents giving me full packages and then negotiating contracts i mean what i kind of did there was then i have the 14th the 17th and the 21st open let's find good cohesive bills mostly local and good talent so that's a little bit what I did and having my kind of tentacles into the local scene and knowing a lot of great musicians like yourself. And um, so that was kind of my job there. I wasn't really negotiating contracts with, with, you know, William Morris or fucking whoever, you know, whatever the big agencies are these days. Are they still a booking agency? I don't know. Anyway, um, but it was positive just being able to put on and it sounds so, you know, it's, I, I'm like romanticizing it now, but just being able to put on rock shows is a beautiful thing. And going there, and if there are 150 people there that are having a good time, I'm like, all right, I put this together. That's a nice, positive thing. 
are there any shows in particular that you're like, I guess maybe specifically very proud of like what you were able to put together and like how it turned out? Probably, but I'll fuck up saying what the bill was right now. That's okay. Um, we can always edit. Like go to my email or something. Um, no, there are, there, are, there, are, there are a few over the years, but honestly, just some like very good local bills that were like, everyone seemed happy and people were having a good time and some, you know, solid experiences had by the bands and by the, uh, by the people at the show were make, make me happy. Well, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I understand that it's, it's obviously been a while since you've done it and you know, I'm sure you've done many, so it's not always necessarily easy to remember them all, all off the top of your head, but um, uh, I'll just want to go on record. It's like, I've done that before too. And like, it's not fun all the time. Like you'd think that it's like, Oh, I'm going to have so much fun. I'm going to be like booking all these shows. But then like, you're realizing like you're dealing with like weird egos sometimes. And like you, you're dealing with like having to constantly email things back and forth. And then people back out at like the very last second. So you're scrambling to like fill in a band or like, you know, something happens along the way. So it can be pretty stressful. But what I will say though, is that at least from my experience, and I'm sure you could speak to this too, you know, it's a very fulfilling type of, job though because you are like kind of doing something to give back to this awesome community that we're part of you know and instead of just taking from it all the time you're actually doing something for the community you know um and i i think that that's awesome so i i'm glad that you do that you know so thank you yeah cool. yeah i mean yes it's in it it's valuable being on both sides of it you know being a, a musician but also being a booker a talent buyer or whatever you want to call it um, it gives you insight to all the, the facets of it, you know? Right. Uh, one thing I wanted to kind of touch briefly on is, uh, you know, so a few years back, uh, Sell the Heart Records, the label that I run, put out this uh, Fugazi tribute record yeah. that uh, you were very graciously able to put a song together for. You did a Blueprint off yeah. of the uh, Repeater album. And uh, man, I, what a gorgeous rendition you did, man. I was really stoked on how that turned out. Um, I, I know that I initially had asked if Black Map as a whole could do it, but I know that from a scheduling standpoint, you guys just couldn't really make it work. But yeah. I, I mean, shoot, dude, that was that was awesome for you to put that together. So I, I want to say I appreciate that again. They're, the, anyone here, they're, the, they're the best band. Uh, they are. They're like the best band ever. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I'm hoping down the road to maybe do some more you know, tribute records. Uh, we, we recently just did one uh, we, where we worked with Lava Sox records for like this rancid tribute record for the oh. And Outcome the Wolves album, where they basically reimagined the entire And Outcome the Wolves record with brand new, brand new bands. And you didn't uh, have kinda, to do the bass, I'm sorry. You did not do the bass solo in Maxwell Murder, did you? Oh, uh, it wasn't me. It was uh, another band, but they nailed it though. They did yeah. a great job. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I actually, I actually met Matt Freeman very recently. And he and I kind of had like a little laugh about it. He was like, oh, dude, like you're the one putting that out. I was like, yeah, he's like, oh, dude, hilarious. So that was, mm -hmm. that was, that was cool because I was just like, oh man, I, I wonder what these guys are going to think about this. But, you know, they, they thought it was pretty funny. So very cool. Uh, yeah. Um, well, hey, man, you know, I, I appreciate you kind of digging in and telling me about like what's going on with Black Map. And I'm encouraged to see like what's going on. You know, I, I like to throw this out to every guest that I have. I have two questions I could throw it out. I know I gave you an advance, so hopefully you got some uh, time to think about it. But first question I have is, who are some artists that just you think absolutely need to be on people's radar right now? 
God, did you give me this advance? I don't remember it. Shit. All right. Um, current bands? It can be current. It can be bands from times of y'all, of, of old, or like, you know, whatever you want, dude. Yeah. I'm not going to overthink it. I, I mean, I think the best, the best heavy band right now in the world, I think, is Gojira, mm. French technical metal band, but they have amazing melody. Just absolute ridiculous musicianship um beautiful amazing all the things you want in music um an old band that i've i'm like re-obsessed with now uh with the singers long dead but uh is morphine band from boston massachusetts uh that's one of my favorite bands of all time uh i've just been extra getting into them lately like again i mean they've been one of my favorite bands forever but i'm like i have a new obsession with them and if you don't know them the pitch doesn't work. It's uh, a baritone saxophone, fretless two string bass and a drummer and a guy with a low bass voice. So it sounds like it'd be shitty and it's bluesy, uh, but it's absolutely incredible. So Morphine I, is one of my all time favorite bands ever. They're incredible. Yeah. Cause you got good taste. Yeah. Dude on record, like everyone should listen to that band and give them a yeah. fair shot because it's good. It's just really good music yeah yeah it, and you're really right is. like the, the pitch is like like what saxophone and two-string slide bass like what that's <laughs> weird yeah that's why i think now here you know if somebody says you got to go see this band it's a you know accordion and someone you know yodeling and a metal drummer i'm gonna be like you know what i'm gonna check it out because of morphine <laughs> totally yeah. You know? yeah yeah uh no and gojira obviously are like you know super storied i mean dude people who love that band just absolutely adore them and like yeah they're they're everywhere you know people brave about them so not not surprised that you would bring them up um well cool thank you was there anyone else you wanted to add to that list as soon as we hang up i'm sure there will be yeah yeah that, that, that's that's fine that's fine um i thought i gave it to you in advance um i'm sorry if i didn't but um, i probably just didn't read it that's all it's yeah, but anyway um but yeah, no, thank you for that. And then uh, just the last question, I know everyone kind of either loves or hates this or kind of a mixture of both, but uh, if you really had to narrow down, you know, uh, your record collection is only five records that you could listen to for the rest of your life, what would they be? All right, I won't overthink it. I'm just going to go boom, 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 boom. Uh, Dear You by Jawbreaker, Cure for Pain by Morphine, OK Computer by Radiohead. Abbey Road by a band called the Beatles and Win the Pawn by Fiona Apple. Mm. Yeah, that's a good list. I, I think like I'll be proud list. of that list even after. Yeah, even when I watch this later. Yeah, no, that's that's a good dynamic list for sure. I mean, because all those records are freaking amazing. You know, I mean, shit. I mean, I, I, I would have picked Yes by Morphine. Okay. Uh, and so not cure for pain, but cure for pain is, is a very good record. Um, yeah. But that would have been mine. Um, but no, and I mean, okay, computer. And it's like, dude, you, how, how can you fuck with that record? Dude? It's like, I mean, yeah, awful. it feels a little cliche saying that in Abbey road, but like it's cliche for a reason, right? They're flawless records. Yeah. They're incredible. Um, well, thank you for that. I I'm always fascinated to hear what people have to say about that. Um, and uh, you know, Ben, I, I know that some congratulations order. I know that you uh, you and your wife are expecting. So congratulations. Yeah. Here's hoping uh, for happy and healthy baby, happy and healthy, happy and healthy mom and dad. 
Um, you know, good luck with everything that's going on with Black Map. I can't wait to hear the new record. And, you know, let's get you guys on the road where you belong. Uh, hope to talk to you in real life real soon, buddy. Me too. Thank you very much, man. Good to see you. Just the driver.